Yes, indeed, there is a war going on for our bodies, our souls, and our spirits, Lord God. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for peace. We thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you are good and that you have good in mind for us. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, we know that the enemy has totally confused us on what this all means and looks like and how we're supposed to operate in this system and suspension of evil in the snake pit Uh, and sickness and disease and trouble, Father, in our minds and lives. So I pray today that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive that revelation, Father God. I thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are the one who is faithful to establish us and to keep us from the evil one. We thank you now for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And, Lord, we ask you for uh, revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, to be um, presented to the place in our lives where truth is, and and lies have been in conflict, Father, we can bring, that we can be brought into the place of peace. You said, peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. So, Father, let our hearts not be troubled, and let us learn today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been doing a, a, a couple of, a series on uh, anxiety, fear, stress, physical diseases, and the outcome of um, that fear, stress, and anxiety. But just for a little review for those of you who maybe didn't catch the first couple of shows, um, fear, stress, and anxiety. We are three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit. And the body is connected with the soul, and the soul and the spirit are often in conflict or debate with one another, which sets up a lot of confusion in the body because the body is needing to take its cues, obviously, from the soul and the spirit. Also, because we're body, soul, and spirit, we're very connected. Our connections, uh, the tissues are connected with the muscles, with the ligaments, with the bones, with the vessels. Everything is connected in the physical world in our bodies, and everything is pretty much interdependent upon uh, each other. And so this makes us very vulnerable, very easily um, uh, imbalanced, set up in opposition uh, with lack and with uh, strife. and with, So when f- fear, stress, and anxiety are introduced into our world, whether it's, it, usually it begins with a spiritual or an external s- source, then it begins to uh, complicate things in our physical bodies. And, and by the time your body is speaking to you and you're getting to understand its language and your body is saying to you, ah, I'm sick, I can't do this anymore, it's too hard, um, I'm exhausted, whatever your body is saying to you, by that time, you're finally starting to listen to your body, but you, at that point, also begin to be overwhelmed with, what do I do? I don't know what to do. It's kind of like you have to go back upstream uh, in your life, uh, in your spiritual world, in your relationships, to find out where you've been disconnected or where things have gone wrong. Um, you know, sin, the definition of sin is separation from God, from ourselves, and from others. And there's many, many verses in the Bible that talk about where uh, your iniquity is on your bones or uh, the sin of the fathers visited onto the children to the third and fourth generation brings all kinds of physical ailments. And, and uh, if you want to look at that, you can look in Deuteronomy 20, chapter 27 and 28. In 27, he talks about all of the um, uh, the sins, you know, including many sins that we today permit and re- re- declare legally to be fine, which the Bible still holds and maintains to be uh, open doors for iniquity, abomination, and the demonic judgments and consequences. Um, I wasn't planning on reading them, but I'll just fly through them, and you can check it out later yourself. But in 27, it says, the, these are the curses that come upon people who reject the counsel of God and the law of God. The actual law of God, just to clarify that real quickly, is not the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is sort of a outline uh, of, of, of behavior of, of, of towards other people. You know, thou shalt not steal, kill, lie, whatever. But the real law, the new law, the the completed law, the the, the final expression of the Ten Commandments is actually in 
the law of love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now thy neighbor, yeah, we have trouble with that one in our relationships a lot of times because of all the super injustices that go on in this very unfair world. And, you know, we're born to believe things should be fair, but they're not fair. They're never fair because the God of this world is totally unfair. He's the most unfair, crooked uh, entity that exists. So back to 27 of Deuteronomy, he says, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, to set it up in secret. So cursed is the one who's worshiping idols, whether those idols are, you know, sticks and stones or money or success or personality or... um, yourself or fear. Fear is oftentimes the entity we worship because we figure out if I don't do what they say, then I will be ostracized and rejected. So therefore we are worshiping idly. They are our idol. Idolatry is there. Um, the curse is the one who treats his father and mother with contempt. Do we not see that in blatant um, display with rebellion? Um, actually in the perilous times that we're in right now in, uh, uh, is it Second Timothy chapter I think it's chapter 3, he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And when those perilous times come, men are fearful, they're anxious, they're stressed. Men will be lovers of themselves. Now this doesn't mean love yourself like God is talking about loving yourself enough to know that you are loved, to know that you are precious, that you're holy. But loving yourself in a way where you're selfish, egotistical, self-centered, narcissistic, that's what they're talking about in in uh, this chapter in Second Timothy, hold on, we're in Deuteronomy, but we went to Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter two, verse three, four, a second. So don't freak out. The, they will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. There it is. That's the sign of the end times: um, rebellion against parents, um, abs- abstinence, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders. Without, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, can't tell them what to do, arrogant, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. They pretend that like they're following God, serving God, but they're denying its power. This is divination. This is rebellion. This is deception. So these people uh, who hate, hate their parents or parents who hate their children, it goes both ways. It's not just about children. Actually, children are really the less guilty in the whole trans uh, tra- uh, equation because they are responding oftentimes to what they've been shown, what they've been taught, how they've been treated, what's been done to them. So we have this bitterness, we have this resentment that grows up in this relationship where we mistreat our parents or they mistreat us and then we turn out to be uh, filled with resentment, guilt and anger and this affects your physical body. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. You know, in other words, you're cheating on the fence lines. You're trying to get something that doesn't belong to you. Cursed is the one who makes the blind wander off the, off the way. Um, cursed is the one who perverts justice to a stranger, the fatherless and the widow. How many, how many times do we rip off the, the poor, the, um, the, the, the defenseless, uh, and, and take advantage of them? Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed. Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal, animal bestiality. Now we're talking about legalizing bestiality. Um, cursed is the one who lies with his sister or his, the, the, the daughter of his father, the daughter of his mother, the one who lies with his mother-in-law. Incest, sexual assault, sexual abuse, molestation. Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly. In other words, sets up lies, slanders. Uh, for the purpose of destroying them. Curse is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person, you know, pays the assassin. Curse is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law. So there are many, many entry points for these kinds of curses, um, disruptions, injustice, truth, and love. And this brings a great deal of anxiety to the body. Um, so I remember from our last talk that the three key important tasks of your life are to, um, number one, survive. Number two, determine um, how to be righteous or what righteousness is. And number three, whose fault it is, responsibility. So we have, so we have uh, survival, we have uh, righteousness and responsibility. And Satan is using all of those, taking advantage of all of those necessarily necessary tasks that we need to understand and complete successfully in order to be okay, peacefully understand that we are already, our righteousness comes from Jesus Christ, not from being right. Um, the responsibility that Satan is taking, push, pushing upon us belongs to the Lord and we are to follow him and to submit to him 
and obey him. And the survival comes from God's promises to keep us and provide for us. If In Luke chapter 11, we're talking, Jesus is talking to them. He's got the big, long discourse on the mount where he's telling the people who are coming to him the true values and, and secrets of life. Um, he's He goes on into the, remember now, the people who are coming to him are the ones who are cast down. They're the poor. They're the blind. They're the ones waiting. They're the ones desperate. They're the ones in need of something. They're the ones who don't have enough. They're the ones who have been kicked to the side. They're definitely not the first-class citizens of his day. Therefore, in, in verse uh, Luke 12, um, 22, he says, I say to you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or about your body, what you shall put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither have storehouses nor barns, but God feeds them. And how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? You know, some people want to be tall, and they worry about it, they fret about it. They, You can't add a cubit to your stature by worrying. If then you are not able to do the least of these things, why are you worrying about the rest? If you can't even um, figure out how to turn one hair gray or white or black or add to your stature, as the, the Bible says, why can you? Why do you take on the bigger tasks? Consider the lilies, how they grow, how they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God then, God, so clothes the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or what you should, that, or nor have, a, be an, sorry, do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Whoa, do not have an anxious mind. For after all these things, the nations of the world seek after, but the fa- your father, your father knows that you have need of these things. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I think that's a real stumbling block because our idea of who the father is and God, the father, and I think one of the last things we think about when we think about him is his goodness or his good pleasure to give us the kingdom or his revelation knowledge of every hair on your head and that you're of more value than many sparrows. That's the last thing we he said in verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. He just puts these two little verses in and these few little verses later. Do not be of anxious mind. Do not, but, but this is what we are anxious about. We are anxious about everything out there, none of which we can control, because we are not settled in, number one, who we are. We don't know how fearfully and wonderfully are made, how well we're connected with um, those parts of us. Everything is affected by everything else. And we're so consumed with survival, with taking matters into our own hands, with having a good life, with trying to be a good person, with, you know, whatever, doing it right, being perfect, that we fail to realize that all of our efforts are basically nothing. They don't make us righteous. They don't make us better. They don't make us safe. Yes, some people work hard and get some money. But really, our, our, our welfare, our well-being comes from the Lord God. And because we don't understand that many of us suffer from many of the uh, physical ailments and diseases that come from those various uh, things gone wrong in our relationships, in our physical relationships, in our, in our relationships with God, ourselves, and others. So the root of many, I, I truly believe this, that the root of every spiritual, every physical disease is, is a spiritual. There's a spiritual root, a spiritual disconnection, a spiritual problem that is at the root of many biological, physical malfunctions uh, and, and dysfunctions and diseases. So so the Lord is talking to us about don't be worried, don't be fearful, don't be anxious. As a matter of fact, he wraps up the little uh, gospel of First um, John with some very sweet admonition. He says, do not fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. There's four little sections to this verse, First John four eighteen. 
that make us um, stop and think. Fear. What is? What can fear do to you? Fear is, uh, and and it's a it's a your body, your mind, your you sense there's some danger, there's something that's going to happen that's not good, and so it's it, our body is geared to, programmed to, set up to uh, have a response to danger. That's a God-given internalized system, and we call it the fight and flight system or the general adaptation system, where the information on the outside is being brought into your um, understanding, into your body, into your mind through the hypothalamus, which is the interpretive center, which brings all the stimuli together that's gathered through your five senses and determines whether it's safe or not safe, whether it's good or not good, whether there's something you need to do or whether it's okay. And because many times that information is um, filtered, actually, before it even gets to you, it's like you wear glasses that are, you know, rose-colored or gray glasses, as in this case, so that the information coming through your eye gates is filtered through the lens of fear or grayness or depression or sadness or woe or negativity. And so it all becomes interpreted that way. And I think a lot of us have these kinds of anxiety filters that are put in front of uh, our eyes, our ears, and so everything that goes in is already colored uh, by the enemy to be interpreted as negative or destructive or dangerous. And so many of us, we don't realize those filters are there. And we were raised to uh, adopt and adapt to those filters just by the home environments. I think a lot of us were raised and that's where we first begin to make our agreements with life, with the devil, with fear, with lies, with the truth. Um, I'm okay. I'm not okay. Life isn't good. Life is hard. I'm never going to make it. These filters and these patterns and these agreements, if you will, are set up subconsciously. And so you don't realize you even have those filters there. And because you don't realize that they are very powerful to affect, afflict, determine, uh, influence how your body is going to respond to what's going on. So the Bible says, of course, to meditate on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. And, and God wants us to meditate on those things so that the filters are changed, so that we think on the right things, so that these are the things in front of our eyes. To, to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him, you know, endured the shame of the cross. He, because, number one, he knew who he was. He knew his relationship with the Father was good. He knew the Father was good. He knew the Father was for him. He knew the Father had everything in hand, every hair on his head. Every, he was taken care of. He was loved. He was watched over, more so even than the little birds. And Jesus says the birds are even watched over. Jesus knows how God knows how many hairs are on your head. And yet we don't think about God. We don't usually um, factor God into our lives, our circumstances, our everyday events. We don't factor him in. We don't say, yeah, but but God. We say, but, oh, no. We don't say, well, but God. God's got a plan. God is good. God is for me. God knows what's going on. God's got this. It's God's problem. I mean, we all come into our uh, circumstances loaded down with problems, things we have to solve, and and we can't solve them. And after a while, if you can't solve an irresolvable conflict, and it's not solvable because you cannot solve it. There has to be a God factor in your life in order to solve any of these things. And it needs to be the right God. Uh, so many of us are, are so hooked up with false gods and counterfeit gospels that it's unbelievable. So let's look at, you know, as we kind of switch this over to how does this affect the body? Um, I think a lot of people suffer from fear, anxiety, and stress in such a common way. They're so used to it that it has become the norm for them. It's normalized. It's not, you don't even, you don't even kind of notice you're hyper or you're anxious. A lot of people have high blood pressure, for example, but they don't even know that because unless they get their blood pressure checked, they don't even know that their body is racing. The blood is having a hard time getting through the constricted vessels because they're constricted. Because when you're in that spirit, in that place of fear or anxiety or sense of danger, your vessels, the internal blood vessels, arteries will constrict. And that, that uh, resists, it makes it difficult for the blood to go through. So it pushes up the pressure that has to be um, made through the heart pumping to get the blood the blood back to where it needs to go so there's a resistance to the flow and this cre increases the blood pressure and it also causes a kind of a backup of the blood in the coronary vessels so that um, it, it pushes the heart to have to work harder it may 
put more distress, obviously, on the heart. Now, the heart isn't just a, a physical member of the body and a, and a muscle with veins and arteries and, and chambers. The, the heart also is called in the Bible the seat of our affections. And so when your affections are, uh, there's no affection and there's, there's fear instead. It's where we begin to, uh, these two concepts of your physical heart and your, your spiritual heart begin to interface. They are one. They're this, they're, they work together and so they affect one another. A lot of times too with heart arrhythmias, where there's a, a, a the heart is out of rhythm, um, there it's a it's a root of fear. Sometimes even chronic fear, um, shock, uh, fear, um, the chemical messengers that are being sent to the heart through and the neuro, neurological system um, messages through the nervous system are sensitive actually to your mind, to your emotions, and when they pick up in your heart, your mind, your emotions, distress, uh, fear, uh, anxiety. Uh, uh, rejection, um, dissonance, uh, disconnection, um, uh, being rejected, not loved. When they pick that up, they carry that information from your emotional, your mind and your, and your emotions to your body, into your heart again. So your body isn't just in getting messages from external um, sources, but also the internalized, once these messages come in, your heart becomes distressed, heavy, sad, grievous. Um, and, and a lot of times people are grieving again for things that they don't recognize. And basic, the basic source of grieving is separation, really. I mean, when we grieve the loss of a loved one, the grieving is because of the separation, because we don't, we know that here on this, if they're not here anymore. We won't be able to see them here anymore. Our rejoicing is the fact that they are uh, in a better place by the will of God, hopefully, and that we will see them again. But the grieving is separation. When we feel separated from God through sin, through maybe uh, displeasure, thinking God's mad at us, God's disappointed with us, God's um, you know, waiting for us to shape up sort of thing, or waiting for us to earn our right to be loved, we think of God that way then we're going to feel always on edge, walking on eggshells. Is he happy today? Is he mad today? Did I sin too much today? Is he going to be okay with me? How do I approach God? All of these things create that separation between us and God. And when there is not peace between us and God, when we don't know that we're loved, when we don't know that we're okay, even when everything in our world is not okay at that moment, that God still loves us. He doesn't, he's not a conditional in his love like we are. You know, we look for love among people, among uh, fathers and mothers and peers and, and, and the world. We look for love among people who cannot give us unconditional love unless they have it from God themselves. The only place you can get that is from God. And if you're looking for love and approval from a father who's angry and upset and angry with himself and hates himself, for example, you will not, he will not be able to ever give you the assurance that you're loved. Again, Jesus had complete confidence in who he was because he knew he was loved by the Father. There was no separation. There was no grief. There was no sin between them. There was Sin is, again, the separation. And a lot of times the sin and the separation is between us and ourself. We have been put in a position by the enemy through the spirit of, uh, of, of his accusation uh, and through failure to be perfect because we got tricked and believed the lie and sinned. And so now we're mad at ourselves for getting tricked or for sinning or for not being perfect or for uh, we judge ourselves. And so those spirits of self-condemnation, self-bitterness, self-hatred are biggies when it comes to things like diabetes and the uh, immune system diseases. For, because if you don't love yourself, your immune system is going to say, oh, wait a minute, God created me to protect her because she's good. But wait, 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 he says she's good. But she doesn't believe it. She says she's bad. She's stupid. No good. Messed up. You know, is mad at herself. So your immune system then is confused or compromised. And a lot of the diseases, the physical diseases that the doctors are wrestling with are those autoimmune system diseases where your, your, your body has actually turned against itself. And how Jesus said, if a house is divided against itself, it will fall. How is it going to be okay uh, if your immune system is tearing apart, you know, eating up your myelin sheath and giving you MS because the, the, up, the upstream, the problem is that you have 
hated yourself because you were sexually abused. Okay, so you were sexually abused. That had nothing to do with anything you had anything to do with or power over. But nonetheless, Satan set the circumstance up, probably because it was coming down your bloodline. It was, a, it was an open door. It already was available to him. So he brings a spirit of uncleanness or sexual perversion in your, into your life through an abuse um, or violates you. A lot of times kids nowadays are being violated innocently um, through the Internet. They're forced to do their homework um, online and do their research. And, of course, up comes these pop-ups of porn sites. And the poor little 12-year-old who's just learning how to get his homework done feels bad because now he's just uh, seen a violating. So why is it so shocking and scary and violating and enticing all at the same time? Because we're holy. And when we see those kinds of images, even the images of horror and bloodshed and cruelty that we see so much when we watch movies and, and uh, you know TV, whatever, where there's no boundaries anymore, there's no sacredness, everything is is okay. You can, when we, when, when our little holy being is exposed, our eyes are exposed, our ears to these things, whether it's music, sounds, light, sights, we become uh, disoriented in our being because we're holy. We're made holy by God. Believe it or not, you're a very holy being. That's why we love our babies and they're so innocent, so precious. Da, da, da. There's just directly from heaven. They're directly from the factory, if you will, where there's nothing but holiness and goodness and purity and love. And then when they're born and thrown into the snake pit, where within seconds we're all muddy and mucked up and bitten. And so then we, we don't, we, we lose track of our holiness. Satan obscures our holiness. And he says down here, no, no, you're not a being you're doing. Get to work. Get to work. And so you have to work, 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 work to try to get back to what you lost just simply by being conceived and born and thrown into the snake pit. God knows this system. He is the one who brought us forth. Why did he create us if it's so bad down here? Because he loves us so much and because he is the one who is responsible to get us out of this mess. Believe it or not. If you don't believe it, you're going to try to get yourself out of the mess and it's going to get worse until your body says, I cannot take this anymore. It says in the Bible that many, their hearts will be in the last days, especially failing them for fear of the things that are coming upon them. We cannot manage these end days and circumstances, situations, the vileness, the wickedness, the injustices, the hypocrisy, the blatant bloodshed, the endorsing of the abominations that God has said, stay away from. There's a blatant endorsing of these things by the demonic society that Satan has created in the midst of the holy people. So there are, there's a lot of demonic, um, repulsive, it, it goes against everything that's true and right and good and holy and everything you are. And you're, we're living in the midst of this vile, vile spirit, spirits, many, unclean, witchcraft, homosexuality, perversions, rejection, uh, abortion, bloodshed, lying, hypocrisy, all of these things that God in Deuteronomy 27 said, don't do, don't do. But because society has so uh, put a, a hood, hoodwinked most people, Unless the Lord God finds them, which he's, he's very good at doing, we will be lost in anxiety. But for you who know the Lord, there is no reason to be that anxious about anything. Because if you read your Bible, which you may need to do a little more, I'm not telling you you have to, but I can't live without it myself. Just telling you, every day I've got to read it. I find comfort in everything that God is doing and understanding what he's doing. And that's important too, to understand who he is, why he did that, what does that mean? Get connected. Get into some body of believers who actually know the truth and what's really going on. So many people go to a church they think is a good thing. It's, it's you know, they're going to go to the church, get on the board, and that ship is going to take them to heaven. There's no ship, no church that's going to take you to heaven except the body of Christ, the one true church, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, we'll talk about that later. We're off the subject, but we're on the subject. So your body, your 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 valves, your heart uh, is pushing too much blood. It's working too hard. You're under stress and bitterness. Actually, coronary artery, artery disease. You know when the plaque fills up in the and they say, oh, it's 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 cholesterol and all that stuff. It may not even be that. There's a spiritual root to these things, and a lot of times, if your immune system going back to that determines that you are determining that you're bad that you're, you're no good, that this is wrong, this is not good, got to take care of this, your, your, your immune system is going to be confused, and it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. Everything is going to get confused, and the, whatever is supposed to clear out the extra cholesterol isn't going to do it. So you're going to be filled with, filled with, veins filling with, 
it says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood is in the veins. So the veins are the little highways that carry life down it. But if you don't like your life, if you're filled with self-hatred, self-rejection, self-bitterness, it's going to fill up your veins, the little highways where your life flows through. Okay, does that make sense? Or in your bones, in your bone marrow, where your bone, your red blood cells are made. There's going to be rottenness in the bones. Uh, it says a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a grief, uh, it brings, uh, and sorrow and jealousy bring rottenness to the bones. So the Bible is trying to get us to see there are connections here. So if, you're, if there's a disease where your, your vessels that carry life, carry blood, are being constricted or filled up with plaque or filled up with regret or, or self-hatred, then it's going to create a, a burden on your heart. And then this might create strokes in your head. So when the blood vessels are getting clogged up in the brain, the brain doesn't get what it needs. That's when we have what we call um, lack of you know, blood or blood flow, blood starved. And this can create strokes. A lot. This, the root of strokes is, again, goes back to the self. Self, how you see yourself, how you perceive yourself, self-rejection, self-bitterness, self-hatred. People who have strokes, um, their, their vessels are not healthy. They don't see themselves as full of life. They don't, there's, a, there's a judgment against them that they're making against themselves. I reject myself. Self-rejection is a demon, but he gets you to go along with him. So you, you listen to, you entertain the oh-nos, the what-ifs, I should-haves, all the should-haves, and makes you feel like people don't love you. You're unlo- See, that's the root. The root is love and not knowing you're loved. The unloving spirit, not being loved and afraid to love. Everything, life flows on a highway called love. Not only the love of God, but the love we have for ourselves and the love for each other. Now, this is not the devil's highway. This is what the devil attacks. He sets ambushments on this highway all the time to get us to believe that we're, you know, the robbers of of hell come to beat you up, uh, break down the road. Um, give you difficulty in this law of love. And so they make you feel like if you love people, you're just going to get ripped off by them. If you give them too much, they're, you're, they're just going to take everything. We can't be so risky as to love. And so many people, are married people, have a hard time receiving love and giving love. And so, I mean, not just married people, obviously, but the marriage will suffer if at the bottom line, you're still playing games. I'm still hiding a secret. I'm going to be narcissistic and keep you in my castle. And you're going to do what I say because I have to have my say because that's the only way I'm okay is because I have to run and control everything. And don't put that towel over there and don't fold it that way because that's not the way we do it in my castle. All of this control, 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 which we think will lead to security only leads to hypertension, uh, diabetes, um, self-condemnation and exhaustion, ultimately death. Because you're no match for the devil and you're not strong enough to control everything you need to control for you to be safe. So I would say give that job to God and relax. Then you can enjoy your life and rest in the fullness of his faithfulness to you. So we have um, another problem many times is the, the uh, inflammation in, in the body. There's many people who are they're, they're diagnosed with inflammation here, there, and everywhere in their body. They take inflavonoids. They try to, you know, decrease that, which is fine. And it's good to eat the right things. And there are some supplements and some things God has given us, herbs and things, that can actually help us back up from the slippery cliff or the, 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 the cliff we're heading towards or the slippery slope by getting us back into right nutrition as well. But inflammation to me comes from stored anger. The word flame is in there, flame and anger. Anger is red, anger is hot, anger is mad. So when there's anger that's been internalized, like I would call it, I would call it bitterness. Bitterness to me is swallowed anger, anger that you don't express outside of your being, but you swallow it, take it inside, and it burns inside like a seething fire. Bitterness, resentment, hostility, touchiness, being defensive, being, um, you know, not ever at peace. Um, people don't feel comfortable around you because you're, 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 you're holding something and they don't know what it is. Could it explode? Where, what is it? You know, where is this, this danger? So, but inflammation is what happens to the body when you keep that bitterness inside. I believe it inflames the, the tissues, um, the joints. When you have inflammation in the joints, it can be from bacteria, but it can also be, uh, that would be like an infection, but it can also be come from this fear, anxiety, stress, self-hatred, and the mechanisms that produce that inflammation. Um, which has 
again, that, that speaks to your immune system. So when you're, you're hating yourself, your immune system over-secretes take, and makes too many white corpuscles. And then those white corpuscles begin to congregate, get in the way of or try to kill something because that's their job to, to suffocate and devour so get rid of the germ, get rid of the poison, get rid of the pus, get rid of the inflammation, get rid of the irritation. And so they begin to try to eat up the irritation. But if the irritation is a spiritual irritation that's coming between two bones in your knees or your shoulders or your elbows or your wrists or whatever, it's beginning to eat up not the irritation but the bone. And so you don't, if you don't address the irritation and the source, then the immune system just keeps eating and eating and eating, thinking it's eating up the right thing, but it's not. It's eating up the bone. And this is very interesting. This is pointed out in Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer is saying, live peaceably with all men, you know, um, use the grace God has given you to live peaceably with all men um, and make straight paths or clean off the roads that you're walking on to, to do your relationships, lest that which is lame be dislocated. If, you're, if you have a bad knee already, and you're walking down a bumpy, rocky road full of potholes, and you trip, the word, it's going to get worse. I mean, it's, it's making it more dangerous. So he says, clear off the road, the relationship between you and yourself, between you and God, or between you and the other person, so that what is lame, what's already having a problem, won't become dislocated. And then he says right after that, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble among many. So those roots of bitterness are the internal uh, grudges, the uh, meditating on the injustices, the stirring up of the uh, remembrances of iniquity, um, becoming pulled into the negative, becoming pulled into the uh, thinking on whatsoever things, not our pure, lovely, honest, and just, but what things are miserable, hypocritical, unfair, and mad at yourself sort of things. So again, inflammation is anger stored inside, which would be bitterness. And if you don't get to the root of that anger, that and anger, by the way, is like a carrot. You know, you have the green bushy top and then you have the root. Well, the bushy top is the explosion of the anger. And when it's internalizing and it's exploding inside, you still have a root. So the question is not what's the inflammation and what pill do I have to take? The question is what is the injustice that I am um, upset about that's, that's wrong? And you will notice that even though there are many incredible, complicated uh, of systems and situations of injustice, they all boil down to the one same thing. There, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a violation of the law of love. Somebody promised you something they didn't give you. Somebody has been put in a position where they're supposed to help you and they didn't. Somebody has betrayed you. Somebody has taken away your life and, and made, made it their own. Somebody is trying to control you. Uh, Somebody is trying to um, uh, use you, your gifts, whatever it is. Somehow... The law of love has been violated, and when you get to that root, and you say, and you say, God, what is the root? What is the thing that's causing all this inflammation in my body? Why am I so angry? And anger, by the way, can also cause a lot of things like aneurysms in the brain, in in the in the by the heart. And when these these are rupturing, these are blood vessels that where the blood is building up, where it can't be moved through quickly, where there's a there's a holdup, there's a there's a the flow has been blocked. And so an aneurysm is this balloon-like swelling. And swelling, there's, you know, God gave us swelling, but Satan uses swelling too. God gave us a swelling, for example, when you, you, you hurt your back, the muscles around it will swell a little bit to create kind of a, a cast around the wounded part to hold it in place or to protect it. But whenever there's anger or rage or resentment in the body, it also causes swelling. So there's a, you know, because there's a there's a b- ballooning, a bursting, a um uh, puffing up, uh, you know, and justice. Uh, so the aneurysm actually is coming from rage, anger, and resentment. And you say, well, they're such a sweet, quiet person. They, they don't show any anger at all. They don't show any rage at all. But you know what? A lot of these very sweet, quiet people are very fearful to say anything. And so what happens is it just keeps building up inside of them. Now, some of them do both. They're angry, they're, they're difficult, they're controlling. And when people are controlling, feel sorry for them if you want to because they're just terribly terrified. 
They're fearful. They're insecure. They have to control everything. Witchcraft. The bottom line on witchcraft is terror, anxiety, fear, and insecurity. They have to control everything. They're jealous of everyone. They want to take, they want to be the top. They want to they have control. They want to have the say-so because they're extremely terrified and insecure. Why are they insecure? Because they don't know God. People who practice witchcraft don't know God really. Oh, some say, well, it's white witchcraft or I'm, you know, I'm a good witch or, or it's just a, it's just a little hobby. It's just a, a sideline. I'm not, I'm not really, but you know what? People who practice any kind of control, whether they call themselves a witch or wear a black hat or are beautiful, gorgeous, uh, and stand next to the pastor in church, who knows? They're, they're still insecure. They do not know the love of God, the, the love God has for them, and therefore they're under the counsel of fear. And fear brings torment and control. Always, always, always mark it down, check it out, do your analysis, do your research. Everybody who is controlling and practicing witchcraft and praying out to these demon gods and practicing witchcraft and cursing other people and trying to control this and that, they are anxious, they are insecure, they are afraid, and they are not in right relationship with God. There's no, you cannot practice witchcraft really and be secure, completely secure in your, in your revelation of God's love for you. You cannot, because if you did know that you were secure, you wouldn't need to practice witchcraft. You wouldn't need to control everybody. You wouldn't need to be such a B-I-T-C-H as they would say. So, but anyway, now I know people have had, died, had strokes, uh, in their medulla. And I mean, in the places where they should die, I mean, people who are sweet, gentle, quiet, and yet they have these huge, uh, life threatening, fatal often, uh, bursts of, of the blood vessels in their head or in their heart or in their, and it's, therefore, uh, we need to go back to the root. Where's the injustice? Where, where were they ripped off? Well, I can tell you a lot of very meek and quiet people have been turned into doormats. They've been run over, tramped on, wiped, other people wipe their feet on them, take their gifts, you know, use them and abuse them. And those people don't even realize what they're doing. And the people who are, it's being done to don't realize it either. And so it says in the Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 and seven, it says, be angry, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Interesting, interesting. So when you let the anger seethe overnight, you know, I mean, many times, how many times you go to bed mad at somebody? It's like I say, you set the glass of milk on the cupboard um, instead of in the fridge, you put it on the cupboard overnight and it turns sour. But, it's, you know, it, there uh, there is a place for anger. We call it righteous indignation. Jesus was righteously indignant when he threw the tables over in the temple. He had a right to do that. He was in he was in complete control of what he was doing. He wasn't losing control. He was actually demonstrating the the disgust God had for what they had done to the temple of God and how they were ripping off the people, the worshipers who were coming. They were overcharging them for the sheep and the doves and and, and, and Jesus said, I'm sick of this. This is supposed to be a house of prayer, not a place of making money and merchandising. And so there is a place of anger and you can it, it's be angry and sin not. There is a place, is a time when you can acknowledge this is wrong. There is a root here. You don't deny your anger just because you're Christian. Oh, I can't have any anger. I can't show any anger. I have to be nice. No, God didn't say be nice. God said, walk in the truth. And the truth is, many times your world is very unfair, very unjust. But here's what you got to do. When you recognize where that injustice is coming from and how it's affecting you, you do not want to give the devil that power over you. You made me mad. You don't want to give anybody the power to make you mad. You don't want to have anybody have that kind of control of you, that they can control you to the point where they can run your life, make you mad, make your body swell up and give you inflammation. I don't think so. So where are you going to take control back? You're going to take control back by taking the offense that you've just identified to the court of heaven and saying, God, here's the deal. They ripped me off. They lied to me. They said they were going to love me. And what they're doing is using me, abusing me, locking me up and, 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 and you, know, uh, you know, in many ways, beating, abusing. You have no idea of the stories I hear. I mean, you can't, obviously. But the stories I hear of injustice and being beaten and uh, destroyed and killed and abused and sexually abused. It's, it's endless because the devil is endless in his wickedness. And so we must have a place where we can find justice. And it isn't in saying, oh, nothing bad happened. The place of justice is at the court of heaven and saying, God, something really bad happened here. 
I'm coming boldly before your throne of grace and mercy today to bring this crime that's been committed against me, against my child, to the court of the judge of all the earth who cannot judge unjustly, and that would be God. Because many of the judges down here are not righteous. They are paid off, they're bribed, they turn a blind eye, and or they're involved in the crime themselves. And I'm talking about a lot about the judges who are turning a blind eye to sexual abuse and pedophilia and are involved in it themselves. There are such judges. I do know that. I actually know that because of people who've told me they've been abused by those systems. So where are you going to get real justice from the righteous God who knows everything? And the good news is, as you come as the plaintiff, you have to forgive. You forgive that person. You turn the crimes they committed against you. Not you, You're not going to judge it anymore. Forgiveness means I'm not going to judge you anymore. I'm going to let God judge you. And I'm okay with that because God's good. He can figure it out. And my other good piece of hope when I go to the court of heaven is I've got the faithful witness, Jesus Christ, who loves me and knows exactly what happened. So I don't have to explain to God and give him an excuse and turn myself, you know, try to defend myself and make myself look good. I, I Jesus knows what happened. And if I just humble myself and say, Lord, I'm going to confess. I, I, I did this, this, and this. I'm confessing because I don't want if Satan have anything on me when I go to the court of heaven. I don't want there to be some hidden thing that I have not yet dealt with that says, well, what about you though? Because Satan is going to be up there. He's the accuser. He's going to show up in the courtroom with you. And he's going to say, but what about you? You, and then he's going to bring out his big long list of your sins that he set you up and tricked you into doing. And he's, but he's never going to take responsibility for that. He's going to say, you did it. You did it. You made the choice. You're bad. Da, da, da. So Jesus, when he was going to the cross, he said, Satan has nothing on me. I'm going to go to the court of heaven with all the sins of the whole world on my back. And I'm going to stand before my father and ask for mercy and ask for forgiveness and die in their place. And there better not be anything Satan. If Satan had one thing on him, the whole thing would have went down and we would have never got our salvation because Satan said, but you son of God, you, you're guilty of this. So Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. That was the place of sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the ultimate human sacrifice for us. How many times do the witches and the occultists have to sacrifice a human being or a goat or an animal or something to get the blood so they can satisfy, satiate their evil God, Satan, who can't live without blood because life is in the blood. They give their life, the life of the, the, uh, the animal or the human, for, to give it to Satan so he can, he can uh, bolster his batteries, if you will. His batteries run on blood. They run on violence. They run on wickedness. They run on injustice. And so when Jesus went before the Father, he says, here's my blood. Here's every drop of my blood. Every drop. All the sins of the world on my back, in my body, carrying it all. Here, here I am. What are you going to do with it, Father? And Jesus was seen innocent, and he was resurrected. And Satan had not a word, not one stinking word he could make, accuse come against he gave it his best shot when jesus was down he tried to get him a sin on all kinds of occasions i am sure including the ones we know about and jesus didn't sin but so jesus knew he was loved he knew who he was he knew he had to die and he wasn't angry he was willing because the resolution see anger is the is it comes as a symptom of an injustice so when you're angry ask the lord what is the thing that's not fair here the rage the resentment Let's, let's deal with it so I can get rid of this inflammation, this wrath. And a lot of times you just have to leave it before the court and say, God, you know. You know who I am. You know who they are. You know the demons. You know what's happening. You know the spiritual warfare. I know you got this. I'm good. So when you go to the court and it doesn't instantly change, but a lot of times there is some movement spiritually that is good. If it doesn't instantly change, you still say, well, you know what, God, you're not going to forget it. You already know it. We're good. You go forward and, and do what you're supposed to do according to the forgiveness of God because you, if you need if you need forgiveness, the Bible says you're going to have to give forgiveness. And if you don't want to give forgiveness and you're holding resentments and bitterness, then you're going to have a hard time before God because he's going to have to say, but my word says, if you want forgiveness, forgive. And you might need to start by forgiving yourself sometimes. So we also see, um, you know, migraines, headaches, tension headaches, um, and the head, I believe, the, the source of migraines is, I really believe, 
is having a, a, a conflict with your conflict, not knowing how to resolve the conflict because it's a catch-22, because there's a spirit of divination there. It looks like one thing, and it, and it goes the other way. You go this way, you're going to be damned. You go that way, you're going to be damned. Your, your little brain cannot figure out how to resolve this problem, is so it overheats, and the muscles get tight and tense, the, and, and you can't solve it. And that's why you get the, 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 the horrible migraines the, that you have to lay down. Everything's got to be dark, you know, quiet everything down. But if you would say to yourself next time, okay, what is the conflict, Lord, I'm having with my conflict? What's the lie? What's the root? What's the offense? What's the injustice here? And, and the, the, the thing is, you've told yourself, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure this out. And how many of us have tried to figure out things, fix things that we have no power or responsibility to be, or authority, I should say, over? How many kids are trying to fix their parents, trying to make them be good parents, and can't make mom happy, can't make dad happy, have to raise all the kids because mom ran away or dad ran away or dad's abandoned or he's a drunk or whatever. And and they get upset with themselves when that wasn't what their job was in the first place. Their job was not to try to fix the family. But if you try to fix, 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 and your brain can't come up with a solution, and believe you me, there are no solutions to the irresolvable conflicts on this level. You have to go into the spiritual dimension to get those things fixed. So, if you're going to try to figure it out by manipulating circumstances and getting people to get along with one another and set things up, and manipulating is witchcraft, by the way. Um, so then we have um, the very lots of infl- infections, inflammations, uh, and oftentimes when there's fear and danger in a, in a non-bacterial inflammation, there's also the over-secretion of histamine or cortisol. Histamine is it, it, I, how I see it is it's a hormone, uh, yeah, a hormone uh, that comes up into the systems of the body, whether it's inside or outside, and it begins to burn. Um, it burns the skin. I think, uh, for example, acne is the oversecretion of histamine, uh, and it, it pools, if you will, in the face and the in the pores of the skin, and creates the the little inflammations, the little um, bursts of of pockets of inflammation that leave red marks and again red red inflammation it's all coming from fear and anger and again with uh, uh, a lot of times with acne it comes at that age in life where we're very very vulnerable to peer pressure when we're going to school and nowadays with all the kids and all the new ways satan can hurt them and bully them through likes and dislikes on their um, ipads and facebook's and uh, what do they do now instagram all of this just what? Why? Why do you have to be the most popular kid in school? Why? And what good is it going to do you five years from now when you're out of school and nobody cares about it anymore? Nobody remembers their best friend and their worst friend. Why? It's just marking you. It's just destroying you. It's distracting you. Your whole job at going to school is try to figure out what's the truth and what's the not. And most of it that they're telling you, they've rewritten the textbooks so many times now that pretty much these textbooks are lies. They're just lies. Everything they're telling you is lies to, to, to secure the fake narrative, to support the fake narrative and they have layers and layers and layers and layers of lies so that now the fake narrative looks more true than the truth is that not correct you know the truth if i'm talking to you i'm talking to your spirit if you're listening to me and your spirit already knows this so now let's go with a couple more things we have we're running out of time and we still have lots more things diseases to go through we've got let's say asthma asthma is uh, you know is definitely a spirit of fear People, sometimes kids are born with it. They're, they're born with a spirit of fear. There's already something that's happened to them in the womb or during the birth process or even at the moment of conception. There's something that's happened that's set up, opened a door for a spirit of fear, terror, dread, um, and, and asthma is uh, panic. Panic is uh, a sense of imminent danger of death. I'm going to die. I can't breathe. And so it's not really being allergic to anything and, and allergies the same. It's, you know, you know, say, well, I, I, I'm an asthmatic, I'm allergic to dander, dust, cats, whatever. That's stupid. If God created cats and he puts you on the planet with cats, why would God give us an allergy or a, a negative reaction to a cat? That's all, it, 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 you can say it's in your head. Well, it's not just in your head, it's in your system. It's in a spirit called fear. And somehow that spirit of fear has hooked you up with a negative reaction to a cat, to a to a strawberry, to whatever, to a dander, to a pollen, to mold, whatever. He's hooked you up with a with a. There are biological reactions to some of these things, like mold, for example. But 
the devil has connected somehow. He's 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 uh, he fired something together that was he was able to wire together. Like if you fire and wire together, the ringing of the bell with the presentation of the stake, the dog is going to salivate. After a while, he'll just salivate at the ringing of the bell. This is Pavlov's dog thing. So Satan is trying to rewire your system so that they are triggering with uh, under stimuli or circumstances that were not created by God. So you see the cat walk into the room and you freak out because you used to freak out. You got somehow, and it doesn't have to be anything the cat did or you did. Let's just say you're five years old, you're petting a cat, and all of a sudden your nose starts running like crazy. There's no reason except that the enemy started your nose to run like crazy. And now you equate petting cat with running nose, running eyes, itching eyes, whatever. And so now I'm allergic to cats. You've declared it so the devil says, yep, she's got it. Now she bought into it. She agrees with it. So now she's allergic to cats. I'm just using that as an example. The same with other things like... um, like, like like anything, anything that your body can be convinced of is an enemy, an antigen. It will create an antibody for it. And, and anything that it perceives as an alien, an intruder, an invader, dangerous, it will create something in response to that. It's, it's created by God to do that. So you have this antigen antibody reaction, which comes then to com- compromise your immune system. And it comes through fear and stress. And it creates all kinds of difficulties that weren't created by God to be difficulties, weren't meant to be difficulties. Now you can't eat certain foods. Now you can't go certain places. Now you can't go here and there because you might smell a perfume or because you might touch something or you might. And this is how we get the multiple chemical sensitivities. Their, their world is so reduced, reduced, limited, can't do this, can't do this, more and more and more. Now I can't wear clothes. Now I can't, you know, whatever. And so that's ridiculous. That is a spirit of fear or many spirits of fear, a whole stronghold of fear that is not from God. Perfect love casts out fear. This fear is a demon. He needs to be cast out. You need to be delivered. You say, well, it's just me. It's always been here. It's who I am. I'm allergic. I did. I was born with it. I don't care if you were born with it. God did not give it to you. God does not, you know, tap us with the spirit of fear and say, okay, ready, go. Okay, next. Okay, you're going to have a spirit of terror and dread. Okay, next, you're going to have a spirit. God does not do that. Even the birth defects that are formed in the wombs are not God. They're not God. They're coming from agreements. They're coming from judgments. They're coming from things that are coming from the bloodlines and they're coming from Satan. That's easy to figure out. There's only two kingdoms. There's not a kingdom of mental illness or disease. That is from the devil's kingdom. God never had any of that in paradise and paradise was God's kingdom on earth. Think about it. So now we have to realize that we're going to have to make some um, decisions. Who are, whose report are we going to believe again? Um, and we have, you know, again, I've got, you kind of get the gist of it, but, um, I would like to just wrap up with one more, the autoimmune disease of diabetes. It's so rampant. It's so people say, well, it's your diet. Well, yeah, it is a lot of what we're eating nowadays. We're overloading our systems with junk, too much sweets, absolutely too much sugar, too much sugar. God said, eat a little honey, Little, little, not a lot. He never made sugar to be eaten as sugar. Yeah, he gave us beets that we can get sugar out of and cane that we can get sugar out of and things like that. But sugar is a, a recent addition to the diet. And because of it, we have all of these kinds of situations. But diabetes is an autoimmune disease like arthritis, um, a rheumatoid arthritis. And it's, it's coming because the endocrine system is being interfered with. Its ability to either produce, well, it's interfering with the pancreas's ability at this point, the pancreas is the member that's being attacked, to produce insulin or interferes with its ability to use that insulin, take it up, release it, whatever. And the roots are, believe it or not, self-hatred, self-rejection, and guilt. Then you add with that the fear, stress, and anxiety. How does someone get to hate themselves? How does someone get to reject themselves? Even Christians, how do you get to hate and reject yourself? Because you're feeling guilty, because you're believing a lie. You're believing it's your fault. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Therefore, I deserve to be punished. And Satan says, I've got the perfect punishment for you. Let's wreck your joy. Let's steal your joy. The joy has left the house when people are in a diabetic condition. The joy of the Lord has left the house, and they're now eating all this sugar to sweeten up their life where the sweetness has been left or lost. The sweetness in peace with God because they're afraid that they've sinned and or there are some in some religious dimensions where it's impossible to please God because I got to be perfect. And the, you, that's why God did away with the law, because you can't keep it because it's impossible to keep the law. It wasn't even necessary because you can't be good enough to get to heaven anyway. So why would we worry about keeping the law so that we'll be good? We're good because Jesus Christ died for us and we are now given his righteousness. So if you're suffering from diabetes, 
go back to say to the Lord, what's the lie I've been believing? What is the lie that guilt told me that allowed self-hatred? I hate myself, self-rejection. I don't deserve joy. I don't deserve goodness to come into my life. And you know, many of us, we take the shots, we take the, the insulin, we take the this, we take the that, we take the compound, we take the, the medical community's remedy, whatever it is. And the medical community's remedy does not address the root. It does not address the root. And so you will be, you're not cured. They will try to control or manage a disease for you. Do you want a disease managed for you or do you want to be free from it? If you want to be free, get to the root. Father God, you are the healer. And so today, with all the stuff we've said and the people who are going to listen, may you connect the dots for them that they will be able to say, oh, yeah, I see. This is what the devil did to me. Oh, no, it wasn't me. It was the devil who did it to me, and I bought into the lie. Forgive me for doing that. Uh, Guilt, go to hell, because Jesus is my righteousness. He loves me. When we know that we're loved perfectly, the perfect love of God, torment is dismissed. Fear is chased out. So, God, you said you love us with an everlasting love. You know the hairs on our head. You're not willing that we should suffer like this. Love, help us to love one another as you loved us and not to be afraid of love, not afraid to be loved and not afraid to love. So give us a merry heart, which will make a cheerful countenance, which will heal our broken spirit. Give us a merry heart, which is a good medicine. And it's free, a broken, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So merry heart does good like a medicine. So give us good medicine, the joy of the Lord. Bless you, Jesus, for what you've already done for us. And may each one be healed and blessed as they consider these things. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.